Let's give these young ones another great hand. All right. Well, that great message of that song that we see. It talks about journey off the map, that we follow Jesus as our guide no matter where we go. Let's get a high five here, buddy. Thank you. All right. How about one from you? Perfect. All right. You know, journey off the map that we follow. Jesus is our guide. We know that some things never change in the life of a believer. Whether you're a believer, you're a Christian, a follower of Christ at a young age like this, or whether it's someone who's given their life to Christ many years ago and then now an adult. That as, as we follow Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have to follow him as our guide. And there are going to be some journeys off the map, if you will, some challenges in life that we have to trust God through. And there are times that we are called to do things that may be uncomfortable in order to take the good news of the gospel to people that desperately need it. And so in that sort of thought today, we're going to talk about getting out of our bubble. I want to show you a video that kind of illustrates the need to get out of our bubble. Let's take a look at this. fun that does look like fun who thinks that looks like fun that's a that's a bigger number than I thought that's called zorbing if you've ever heard of zorbing um, it, where it's pretty self-explanatory you get in a bubble they actually have adult size zorb balls I guess and uh, it's something I want to do I've seen it before and I'd really like to do it in some places they they have these tracks that they 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 make out of the just uh, they start in a hill and they kind of make a track down a hill and the ball just kind of rolls down the hill and you're kind of in this bubble strapped in and you just roll down the hill. And you say, that doesn't illustrate getting out of the bubble very well because I don't want to be rolling down that hill outside of that bubble. But, you know, a lot of times we are kind of in our own bubble. And what we mean by bubble is our own kind of Christian bubble that we get in. We know Christ is our Savior. We know that we've been called to get outside of our bubble, whether it be this bubble of a local church or a local church or whether it's just the bubble of our own life with us and Jesus and we want to grow in Christ, but we, it's hard for us to get outside of our bubble and take the message to the world. You know, there's several reasons why that may be. One may be because oftentimes we don't realize, we don't think about looking outside the bubble. You know, we're kind of caught up in our own day-to-day routine. Maybe we have too much busyness in our life. Maybe we've filled our life with too many things that kind of keep us running from one place to the other. I know many times in my life that, that's a, that, that is something that I definitely can say is a truth for my life. We put too many things, and so we're just kind of running one, from one thing to the next, and we don't have margin in our life to think about the greatest calling that we, we, we've been given, which is to share the good news of the gospel. Maybe it's that, maybe it's we're, we have a lack of courage, maybe we're fearful to go and take this message. 
And we have forgotten the words. We have forgotten to actively remember the words of Scripture where we are, we're told to be of good courage because God will be with us wherever we go. All of these things can kind of lead us to being in a bubble. Maybe there's safety in the bubble. There's a movie that came out around the year 2000, 2001 called Bubble Boy. Anyone ever remember this movie, Bubble Boy? Uh, it starred Jake Gyllenhaal, and he was a young man that was born without an immune system. And so his mother was very protective of him, and she actually built, it's a fictitious story, of course, they actually constructed a bubble inside of his room, and they pump oxygen in and feed him through this bubble, so it would keep all of the harmful things of the world outside of his bubble. Well, as the movie goes, he falls in love with a young lady, only to realize that she is going to be married to someone that she's not very fond of, uh, not too many days later in, in the Niagara Falls region. So he constructs for himself a portable bubble, kind of funny, it almost looks like one of those Zorb balls, so he can travel. He can travel to, to go and to hopefully win the heart of this young lady that he loves. Well now, of course, that's where the illustration falls apart a little bit, because he stayed in his bubble as he went. But the thing that we need to mine out of the illustration is the fact that he had incredible courage. And it was courage because he was passionate for something that he wanted. There was this young lady and he wanted to win her heart. So he would go to any lengths that he could to win her heart and win her affection. So I think for us as believers, when we talk about getting outside of our bubble, there are many practical reasons why we oftentimes stay in our bubble. Again, I said sometimes it can be just the busyness of life. We can fill our life with things rather than focusing and being proactive about um, what things are most important in life, storing up treasure in heaven. What things are going to truly bring us joy and satisfaction in life of which we all seek and which we're all striving after? And that's following Jesus wholeheartedly. First, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Then it's following him wholeheartedly. And it's taking the good news that he brought that there is sin uh, in this world, but there is a hope of forgiveness and there is purpose and there is a hope of heaven in Jesus Christ. That great news of the gospel we have a great thrill and a great fulfillment and a great purpose and a great joy in taking those things. So a lot of times it can be just those practical issues of life. But sometimes it can be we have lost our passion for Jesus Christ. And we have lost our desire to see the lost come to know Christ. We have gotten in that place in which our heart may have gone spiritually numb to, to, the, to the desperation of those around us. That we don't hear the cries of those that are desperate around us. We don't uh, feel the heartbeat of those who are desperate in this world around us and are filling their lives with all sorts of frivolous things to try to numb and suppress the pain that they feel, hoping that they're just kind of limp through life day after day after day. Well, guess what? We are God's plan A, and there is no plan B for their lives. We are God's plan A. Whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a friend, whether it's a family member, we have been strategically placed by the sovereign hand of God in the lives of people who are hurting and desperate and need us to get beyond that bubble. And so we see this illustrated here in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27 with the calling of Levi. We actually are going to focus on 29 through 32, but I want to set the stage with starting in verse 27. It says, after these things, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. We know his name is later to be changed to Matthew. Sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. 
And leaving everything, Levi rose and he followed him. Now we think about this. Think about who this guy was. He was a tax collector. And he was a tax collector for Rome, for the Roman occupiers. If you can imagine putting it in our context, it's hard for us to believe because of the fact that we live in the most powerful nation in the world. It's hard to ever imagine an occupying force coming and occupying our country and we being a vassal state of an occupying force. But for many people that live in the world, even in 2015, that is a very real threat. That's a very real possibility. But if you can imagine some sort of great superpower, even greater than us, coming, conquering us, occupying our land, and we are under their thumb, can you imagine this? And then can you imagine further? they taking taxes from you. They, they, uh, gathering, they're gathering taxes to support their great empire, their great nation. And then can you imagine the person that comes and collects your taxes is your neighbor from down the street. That's what they were dealing with. That's who a tax collector was. The, Roman, the, the, the Rome, the great empire of Rome had come and had occupied this land. And they had employed other Jews as basically traitors, traitors of the Jewish state, to come and collect taxes for Rome. So they were not only s- sinful in their greediness, but they were absolutely hated, hated by the population. And so if you can imagine... In, in our thought process, in the thought process maybe not of us but of the world because we know the heart of Christ, we know the heart of God, but maybe the thought process of the world. If you're thinking of who in the world is the greatest man, the greatest figure to ever walk the face of the earth, Jesus Christ, who is he going to gather up around him as his 12 most important people, his 12 generals if you could say, his 12 directors? Well, you wouldn't think a despised and hated tax collector of the very people that he was speaking to. But what it did is it showed a great change of heart. It showed how God can reach and change anybody, anyone. And so he said, and he went out to a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Two words that carry such profound meaning. Follow me. You know, it's the same call that we were given at the time that we came to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Those of us who gave their lives to Christ. We give our life to Jesus Christ as the one who saves us from our sin. The one who uh, gives us a hope of heaven. But we also say as our Savior and our Lord. He is the boss of our life. That's how we describe it to children. He becomes our boss. He is the Lord. He is the leader of our life. And we follow him. The great thing about this is when we follow Jesus Christ as our Lord, it is not a boss that we can place no trust in. It's not some sort of, uh, of Lord that's in a distant land and you know he's making terrible decisions. This is Jesus Christ that if we follow him, if we follow him, we truly have the abundant life that he promised to us. And so the same way that we come to know Jesus Christ and the same way that Levi came to know Jesus Christ, we continue to come each and every day to Jesus Christ Following those two simple words of follow me, follow me. Jesus tells us to count the cost of following him. I'm further convicted as the years go on that when we share the good news of Christ with someone that we need to remind them of what Jesus said. He says count the cost of following me. Because he says it's not going to be without trouble. It doesn't mean that we kind of float through life on a cloud in just this eternal bliss and never facing any sort of trouble at all. 
There is difficulty in life. Sometimes there's difficulty that comes directly from sharing the good news of the gospel. Sometimes there's difficulty that God allows into our life so that we might be refined and we might become more like Jesus Christ. However, through all of that, through all of that, he tells us that the life of following Jesus Christ is the best life you will ever know, the abundant life, because what we gain far outweighs what we lost. And we see that in verse 28. Levi made that decision. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus, and, and Levi responded by immediately rising, leaving everything behind and following Jesus. You know, Levi wasn't forced to do this. You know, many of their, there might be coerced. There might be some arm twisting by the great occupying empire of Rome. But Levi was a tax collector because he was greedy and he could make a great profit himself. So no doubt this was a man that had a decent amount of money. And it said he left everything behind. Everything that he knew. Everything that gave him comfort. Everything that he was trying to find purpose in. And he followed Jesus. You know, as we often see when we come to God's word, there are two groups of people in the world. You can divide the world into two groups of people, and therefore, when we see the teaching of God, it hits us in two different manners. There are the people that know Christ as their Savior, who've given their lives to Jesus Christ, have come to the place where they, again, have admitted that they're a sinner, believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, and they've confessed Him as their Savior and their Lord. They are a Christian. And then there are those who don't know Christ as their Savior. They are non-Christians. They don't know Christ. They haven't been made new. They haven't been born again. And when we look at this scripture, we see that Levi left everything behind. He left it all behind. He followed Jesus Christ. He became a follower, a believer in Jesus Christ. But for those of us who know Christ as our Savior, these two callings, this calling and this response is the same calling and response that we are to be living out each and every day of our life. Jesus continually says, follow me, and we are to leave everything and follow Jesus. That means that we are to be willing to give everything in anything that Jesus calls us to give. We are willing to drop anything that we're doing. We're willing to drop anything that we are finding purpose in and follow Jesus Christ, recalibrate our life to Jesus Christ's calling. We must be ready to follow Jesus and leave everything to do so. So we see this calling of Levi, and what a great setup it is for our first point we see here, that we see share your bubble. Share your bubble. Now, of course, we're, we're calling us and we're titling this entire message to get out of the bubble. But there are times in which, if you can follow me on this point, that we are to call others into our realm, into our life, to open our lives, to open our heart, and as we see as Levi did, to open his home. And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and other sinners, as some of your translations say, reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, at Jesus' disciples, saying, why don't you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They're implying, you're supposed to be some great teacher. You're supposed to be some great prophet sent by God. Why are you associating with these tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them and said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
You see, before we get to this great meaning of this great statement that we see of Jesus Christ, we first see the setting here. Levi had a great feast in his house. Not only did he have this radical change in his life to where all of his passions, all of his purpose in life was turned away from the treasure of the world where moth and rust destroy, as Matthew chapter 6 tells us, those things that don't last, all of his passion and all of his purpose and all of his meaning in life was now turned to Jesus Christ. And all of those things, all of that passion and purpose in life was found in Jesus Christ and following him. What did he do? The first thing that he did when this radical change was made in his life is that he said, I have got to tell all those that I know. So what did he do? No no doubt he went and he told, but he welcomed them into his home. And into his home is simply an illustration of the main point behind what we see. If we want to see people come to know Christ, if we want to win the people to the Lord Jesus that we know at work and at school, we know in our, in our homes, and our families, we know in our neighborhoods, we have to be w- willing to welcome them into our bubble. We have to be willing to set aside time. We have to be ready to rearrange schedules. We have to be ready to rearrange purposes. We have to be ready to rearrange things that we do. We have to be ready to rearrange and get a little uncomfortable so that we might have greater purpose and give greater glory to God by sharing the good news. We have to share our bubble. We have to share our life with those. There are plenty of opportunities that we have to share the good news of the gospel with people we've never met. We have a horseshoe ministry, or we don't, but there's a, a local association that has a horseshoe ministry. A local church has a great ministry that, that does a horseshoe ministry out here during Riverfest, and we have an opportunity to partner with them. We have opportunity when we go and we eat at a restaurant, and you have an opportunity to share with your waiter. Maybe it's a, a grocery checker in line. We have those opportunities, and undoubtedly there are those callings. But some of the greatest strides that we can ever make in evangelism and sharing the good news of the gospel are with those that we have relationship with. Those that we know, people that care for us, people that trust us, people that know know our character and know our heart. And we have to be ready to share the good news, to share our bubble, open up, and let them in. It says here, what was the response of the religious leaders of the day? We know that the Pharisees and their scribes, we know that the Sadducees as a representative of this upper crust of religious leadership, and we know there in, in, uh, in ancient Jerusalem that uh, the, the upper crust of religious leadership, there was a great blending of, of political leadership. We know, of course, that Rome it, uh, was the occupying force, but they allowed, as they did in some of the places they occupied, uh, a certain level of leadership by the national leaders. So there was this kind of great blurring of the lines between the religious leaders of the day and the political leaders of the day. Add all of that up, and these are very important people and those that are supposed to be religious leaders and the Pharisees and their scribes, they grumbled at Jesus' disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? What do you think about that word grumbled there? There are times that all of us, we will grumble. We will grumble. There are times that as a church, thank the Lord that we are not a grumbling church. I know many uh, local bodies of Christ that are characterized by grumbling. I mean, if you think about say a word that describes this church 
And someone in that church might say, it's a grumbling church. They grumble. Now, we're not a church like that, but we all do at times have times where we grumble, where we complain, where we gripe. But you think about this. If all of that energy was transferred to something other than grumbling, what incredible work could we do? You heard of the conservation of energy. You've heard of that, uh, uh, that principle, the conservation of energy, that energy is not transformed and it's not created, or energy is not created nor destroyed. It's only either transformed or transferred. You think about the energy in our life. You think about it, if the energy that we spend on our grumbling could be transferred into our going, think about what we could do for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we as an individual, we as a church body, we could transfer that energy to going what we could do. And so we see this great lesson from the Pharisees, a negative lesson, but we see it nonetheless. And he said, why do you eat? They said, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, it's, it's these things where you want to fill in these gaps. Your mind fill, fills in these gaps of Jesus kind of calmly, but, but very seriously looking at these religious leaders of the day, turning to them and say, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He's simply saying that those who think they have no illness, they, they never go to a doctor. The ones that go to a doctor are the ones that realize their sickness, the ones that realize their illness, the ones that realize there's something that needs to be done. And I have come to call I've come to call not the righteous, not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's saying the ones that I have come to reach are the ones that realize they don't have this false sense of righteousness. They don't have this false sense of goodness. And he was speaking directly to the Pharisees. He was speaking directly to their hearts and saying the ones that have this false sense of righteousness, that think that everything's fine and by their good works that they do in their life, they're fine with the Lord. And so then they have the, the, the proverbial log in their eye when they're picking specks out of other people's eyes. Jesus says, I didn't come to save the righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Those who know they're sinners, those are the ones that are ready for repentance. And that was his message there. He was kind of pulling them out as an illustration. And he was pointing to them and he was saying, these are the ones, these religious leaders are the ones that don't think they're sick. They don't think they need healing and therefore they're not going, they're not ready to go to a physician. They're not ready for spiritual healing in their life. And these think they're righteous because of their good works, so much so that they are so arrogant about it that they will go and call out others that are, that are trying to lead people that are desperately sick and spirit, need spiritual healing. They'll call them out and say, why in the world are you sharing the good news with them? These falsely righteous ones, they're not ready to be healed because they have not come to a point of brokenness. You see, and as we think about again from the perspective of those who are believers, when we think about looking out beyond, first of all, we said share your bubble, open your life to those that are around you, reorganize your life around those that are sick and desperately need Jesus. And then the second point is this there is sickness beyond the bubble. We have to really realize what's out there. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are in pain. 
And maybe they spend enough time on social media and they spend enough time just in media in general or, or whatever it may be that they fill their life with. They spend enough time on their phone, spend enough time in front of the computer, whatever it is, to just kind of numb the pain in life. But there is a time in life when things slow down, maybe it's late at night, whenever it may be one of those few times in life where they've put everything down and it's just them and their thoughts and they realize it. And here it comes. The pain comes again and they realize it. Our world, our city, and your lives are filled with people that are just like that. There's sickness beyond. And many of them don't know what the sickness is from. It's this mysterious illness. Just a few months ago, there were 17 people in Nigeria that died from a still mysterious disease. They thought it might have been Ebola because of the symptoms. Uh, But this still a mysterious disease that has not been solved. And in the same way, there are people in our world that they know there's pain, they know there is death on the doorstep, they know there's difficulty in life, but they still, they're groping and searching and they don't know where the sickness is coming from. We have to realize that there is sickness beyond the bubble. We have to realize that there are people that are ready to come to Jesus Christ Verse 32 once again says this, and this is how I want to end. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That verse there specifically speaks to the heart of people that are ready to hear the good news of the gospel. They're not fighting, they're not pushing back against God. But that word repentance there, as we know it, means to turn away from an old way of life and turn towards Jesus Christ. The same word is used even for a believer in certain instances where there is a wrong way, a wrong path, or something wrong that we're doing, and we're called to turn away from it and again recalibrate this time to Jesus Christ, follow Jesus Christ again. I think for us, the thing, many of us, what we need to be, we need to be called to and what it all starts with is we need to repent of a cold heart towards those that, are, that need Jesus Christ. You know, I've oftentimes spoke of the verse, I spoke of the passage of Scripture when Jesus Christ was looking out upon the crowds and it said that he wept because he realized they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were wayward. They didn't know where they were going. They were lost and they were hurting. And I think for many of us, what we need to be called to this week, starting this week, is coming in our prayer time, coming to our time with Jesus Christ and say, God, I turn away from my coldness of heart I turn back to the heart of Jesus Christ who is broken and cares for those who, who are so desperately hurting. Let us do that as we leave this place today as those that need the physician, those that, 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 that are realize their sinners are being called to repentance. May we too as believers repent and turn back to the heart of Jesus Christ that loves and cares the lost. And Lord Jesus, we do. We pray that you would give us a warm heart again to those that are lost. That Lord, we pray that you would make their reality a reality to us, that they're hurting, they're desperate. That God, without salvation in their life, they have not hope of a heaven, but they have a reality of hell. Lord, we know that um, people in life, they search for purpose, they search for meaning, and it's only found in Jesus. They search for forgiveness and it's only found in Jesus. Lord, and they search for heaven.
They search for something beyond this world, and it's only found in Jesus. God, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for his love. God, we thank you for your grace. And in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. We come now to this time.